Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello and welcome to Condensed Histories. I'm Jem Daduchu, and what I do nowadays is I take a piece of pop culture and reveal the real history lurking underneath the surface. And I've got Greg in the background who's going to correct me, edit me, edit, 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 edit me, virtually heckle me. I always have fun because obviously I'm just recording these and then I hear what he's done with it. Always puts a smile on my face. Uh, right, so let's get on with it. What topic are we talking about this time round? And I've got a bit of a confession to make. I am a big Sylvester Stallone fan. So we are going to be talking about the epic Oscar-winning movie, Rocky. Which means, naturally, we're going to be talking about boxing. We're also going to be talking about film history. And we're even going to be talking about some older boxing history and some political pardons and all kinds of interesting things including a virtual fight from the 1960s it all gets weird on this one so come with me and i'm going to make you a fan of sylvester stallone too all right let's get down to it shall we so look sylvester stallone I would say that he's a victim, and he would probably agree with this, of saying yes to too many poor movies. If you were to just forget everything you know about Sylvester Stallone and just watch the original Rocky, First Blood, Copland, and Creed, and just only those four movies, and then I say to you, do you think he's a contender for an Oscar? You're going to say yes. Those are some of his best films. Not best in terms of sort of guilty pleasure watch, but in terms of actual acting ability. And indeed, it's worth pointing out that he was nominated for an Oscar both in the first Rocky and in Creed you know, about 30 years later. Two out of four of those films, he's Oscar nominated. And indeed, because he was a, a producer and screenwriter for Rocky, he is an Oscar winner himself, but not for acting. So there we are. Look, if you want to turn around to me and say, Cobra was rubbish, or Escape Plan was rubbish, or Stop or My Mom Will Shoot, real name of a Sylvester Stallone movie, is rubbish, I'm going to turn around to you and go, you are correct. <laughs> but we're not talking about that. So... 
What Rocky was, in many ways, is actually semi-autobiographical. Now, Sylvester Stallone was never actually a boxer. What he did is he had a stroke when he was a young child, which meant that part of his, one side of his body was was sort of withered, for want of a better phrase, which is why he got into bodybuilding, to sort of bring himself back up. It's also why he's kind of got that sort of lazy lip going on and why his speech is just very slightly sort of mumbly. But make no mistake about it, there is a sharp mind behind that. He is a keen businessman, and like I say, you know, he can write Oscar-winning scripts, and he's also directed a large number of movies too. So for the people who think that he's dumb, that shows you how good he is as an actor because you're believing the Rocky Balboa story is him. But the interesting thing is about Rocky the movie, and we'll talk about sequels in a minute, is by then Sylvester Stallone was basically broke. He was almost living out of his car. In his own words, I had about a hundred bucks left to my name. And he he was in for an audition as an actor and he didn't get it, but they started talking about film scripts and they said, well, have you got anything? And then he ran down to his car and he showed them the initial script slightly unfinished for Rocky and they loved it. And basically, there became a bit of a bidding war over it. And Sylvester Stallone could have made a huge amount of money and got a large budget for the movie itself if he was willing to sell it and get somebody else to play Rocky Balboa. So at that point, there's then the the agony of like, do I take the money now or do I get to make the movie but on an absolute shoestring budget? And he went for the latter. An incredibly brave move. And they filmed in Philadelphia because it was cheaper than New York. In their own words, when they were making it, they went, also they could break union rules. They could film for longer and, you know, sometimes not be up up to union regulations. And they figured the film unions will not be around in Philadelphia. And in the words of Sylvester Stallone himself, he goes, I think we probably could still be making the movie and they wouldn't realise we're making it in Philadelphia. So yeah, uh, it was all this all happened that led to Rocky, the story of a boxing underdog. It's the classic underdog story. Rocky Balboa is just this this man who, to quote Marlon Brando, could have been a contender, but never was. And he's sort of now also breaking legs for, for the mafia and things like that. If you watch the very first Rocky movie, you will be surprised how gritty it is. It seems to have been filmed largely on sellotape and, you know, it's sort of dirty and grimy and and Rocky's flat apartment is an absolute mess. And you can almost smell the sweat and desperation. This is the story of a poor man who's got his one shot at the title. Basically what happens is the world heavyweight champion his his next bout, the person injures himself, so he comes up with his original idea. It's 1976, 200 years since the American Revolution, 1776, so let's give everybody what they want, an American dream. We're going to get an, an underdog. We're going to get just some random guy, and he's going to give him a chance at the title, and, and Rocky's the one who's picked. And so they fight. Now, I am about to spoil the ending of Rocky, which happened while I was watching it on video when my mother walked in and said, is this the one where he loses? And I went, what? And the thing is, because the entire movie's about Rocky and you're really willing him on to sort of win, 
yeah, he loses at the end. But the point is, because he went the distance, he he survived all 16 rounds against the heavyweight champion, which nobody had ever done before. It's kind of one of those classic moral victories. An example of how Americans do sometimes go for the loser and not necessarily the, the winner there. And it became a monster hit, both commercially, but also in terms of the critical response as well. And so Stallone was sort of set on his way. However, he then did a number of rather bad films and went back to Rocky with Rocky too. And if you like, whereas Rocky is about an underdog who's given that shot, exactly like Stallone, Rocky too is about how quickly the world moves on from what you once did which is what had happened to Stallone as well with Rocky too. But that was a huge hit. I'm not going to sort of like give you the plots of all these things, but but going back to Rocky, the, the original one for a moment, is that film invented the training montage. Because the problem that you have in any kind of athletics movie, be it football or boxing or whatever, MMA, etc., is the reality is to become an excellent athlete, you have to exercise again and again and again. And that ain't fun to watch. Seeing somebody do 50 press-ups, you get the idea after three. Okay, now it may be impressive that they can do 50 press-ups, but that is not what cinema gold is made of. And so they... They basically just came up with all these different exercises, put it to some amazing music. It's called uh, the, it, a lot of people say it's the Rocky music. It's actually called Gonna Fly Now. And actually that's what they start singing in it. And that in, sort of anthemic music, along with all the weird and wonderful exercises like punching meat um, and the very impressive sprinting that, that Stallone does at the end of it. I mean, yeah, Stallone was in very good shape back then in the 70s. Just made people think, oh, you know, I want to be a boxer. I can do that. I want to do those exercises. And every time you have seen a kind of sporting training montage ever since then, you could owe a debt of gratitude to the original Rocky movie. So Rocky III, he's now world heavyweight champion of the world. And so it's about how fleeting fame is and also how you get a bit softer in, in that time, a little bit like Stallone realized he was getting too. And he was basically going to say, right, three and done. I'm, I'm done with Rocky, move on. But then, and this is where we get strangely into other forms of history, is by the 1980s, the Cold War was the cold of the Cold War was at its peak. Nobody was fighting each other. And America was still licking its wounds 10 years on from its defeat in Vietnam. But what Ronald Reagan did was sort of make America believe in itself again. Whatever you may think of the man's politics, he was very good at sort of bringing that sense of pride, that sense of razzmatazz and showmanship that America is famous for. He kind of brought it back to America in the 1980s. An American and a Russian arguing about their two countries. And the American said, look, in my country, I can walk into the Oval Office, I can pound the president's desk and say, Mr. President, I don't like the way you're running our country. And the Russian said, I can do that. The American said, you can? He says, yes. I can go into the Kremlin, to the general secretary's office, pound his desk and say, Mr. General Secretary, I don't like the way President Reagan's running his country. <laughs> And in a weird way, Stallone was part of that. Now, I'm not going to go down the road of the Rambo movies because that's absolutely a part of the conversation. But what he did with Rocky IV is he dusted down the character again. And Rocky IV, a lot of Americans say, oh, you know, it's a great film because it's sort of star-spangled awesome. It's very patriotic. Even my kids um, are, you know, are big Rocky fans. 
Uh, and they think Rocky Four's good, but actually Rocky Four barely makes it to 90 minutes. There are endless training montages. Oh, and sort of flashbacks to earlier movies as well. There isn't an hour and a half of story to this. But what it's about fundamentally is America fighting the Soviet Union. About Rocky, about as American as Apple Pie versus Ivan Drago, who has great lines like, I must break you. Uh, <laughs> So played by Dolph Lundgren, a Swede who has a degree in chemistry. Again, man, very intelligent. Pretty much the first time he was on a film set, he was in Rocky Four, and he says the scene where I come up through the floor with all the lights playing and I kind of look a bit confused. He goes, yeah, that isn't acting. You know, that's that's just a poor Swedish boy standing there going, what's going on? Really, it's a Cold War metaphor and my boys were screaming cheat, cheat at the TV when you see Ivan Drago taking anab anabolic steroids. So it's, it's, it's very, very clear that America's the good guy and the Soviet Union's the bad guy. But what's interesting is at the end of the film is it's Sylvester Stallone calling for like, you know, we all need to be in this together. You're people, I'm people, you know, we all just want to be getting on with it. And it's a remarkably subtle rather than, you know, holding up the severed head of the enemy, which is kind of what the mood was in the 1980s. But rather than just sort of kill the Russian, it was like, look, let's all try and be nice to each other, which is a remarkable message at the end of a boxing movie. Then there is Rocky V, the movie that must not be named. And, and the interesting background to this is Stallone had a plan to kill off Rocky in Rocky V. And about halfway through filming, the studio went, you can't kill Rocky. He's a legend. And he goes, so, so what's the point of the movie then? And he goes, mm, just, just make it. So it is easily, easily the worst of the films. My children have never seen it. That's how bad it is. It's utterly pointless. Uh, Stallone is one of those actors who will happily apologize for past mistakes that he's made. And he's absolutely said, you know, Rocky V, just ignore it. And then it all went very, very quiet for quite some time. And then he decided, I mean, well, the story was that his kids just thought he played golf for a living because he'd been away from movies for so long that he figured, oh, no, I'm going to I'm going to go back. So we've now got Rocky, who's pushing 60. He's in his 50s and he makes the film Rocky Balboa. So Rocky Balboa is the sixth film rather than calling it Rocky Six. And because it was a new audience, so, you know, if you called it Rocky Six, a lot of people probably wouldn't have gone to see it. And that actually has a big speech where he's talking to his grown up son who's sort of complaining about how tough life is. And Stallone does this brilliant speech in this film, which has been on YouTube and like LinkedIn and things like that. And basically he says, The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place. And I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. And he goes, winning isn't about how hard you can hit, it's about how hard you can get hit, but get up and keep going, keep moving forward. And that is a brilliant metaphor for life generally. And, and all these people, these amazing athletes, these amazing actors, they've all had problems in their lives. Very few people are standing there in front of you successful who've had it easy all the way through. Now. You know, there are even more normal, regular people like me who've had it tough in the past, but didn't get to do, you know, a million, multi-million pound movie. But the point is, you know, the, they're human beings too, and, and they get it. And Stallone's had his own fair share of crises in his life. You've then got Rocky Balboa, and then everything goes quiet. That's clearly the end of the Rocky franchise. But then, nearly 10 years after Rocky Balboa, when he was really old already, he, they reboot the entire series with Creed. 
Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Now, Creed is an amazing movie because, well, for starters, Stallone gets nominated for an Oscar again. But with Creed, so the, the man he was fighting in the first movie was Apollo Creed. And in Rocky 1 and Rocky 2, Apollo Creed is the is the enemy, is the person who must be beaten, as it were. But in Rocky 3, they become friends. And oh, yeah, spoiler alert for Rocky 4, Ivan Drago, just so you hate him even more, the damn Soviet, he kills Apollo Creed in, in the actual ring. So Apollo Creed is dead now. Carl Weathers, who also is awesome in Predator, just for the record. So, yeah, so there's all that going on. And then what they decided to retcon is that he's had an illegitimate child, Adonis Creed. And uh, you see how tough his upbringing was. And basically, it's the story of how he wants to sort of reclaim the name Creed and sort of become somebody. And he goes to Sylvester Stallone to to ask for his help and to do coaching. So from here on in, Stallone is way too old to be boxing, but now he's the wise old Yoda. This completely, you know, we've had loads of reboots and remakes and things like that. This is how you do it right. You get a great black director, black actors, and it's telling a different story, but it's absolutely referential to what's come before. And then we get Creed 2, where Apollo Creed's son fights Ivan Drago's son, and uh, the two of them have at it in, in Creed 2. So yeah, so look, you are now talking about eight movies. I mean, there are nine main Star Wars movies. There are eight Rocky films. There's highly likely to be a Creed 3 at some point as well. So yeah, it's a huge saga spanning decades, uh, showing you lots of different things. I I think you can tell I'm a fan, all right? I, I will kind of leave it there. But some of the things I want to point out is the weird overlap between this clearly fantastical thing. Rocky Balboa has never existed. 
But if you're sitting there going, Rocky, there, there was a boxer called Rocky. Yes, absolutely. Rocky Marciano in the 50s and, and early 60s was this amazing heavyweight fighter. And he had 49 unbeaten professional fights in a row, then retired at 49. And he was just seen as one of the greats. So he was a good person to sort of refer back to with the, the Rocky character. But it gets weirder. Because in Rocky Balboa, how on earth do you get this guy who's clearly too old to be still boxing? How do you get him into the ring again? So what happens is in the in the movie of Rocky Balboa, the sixth one, if you, in case you're counting, basically what happens is you, you get all these conversations all the time in, in the pub and on things like ESPN saying, who's the greatest ever? Because the thing about Pele, you know, arguably the greatest ever footballer, Pele's still alive, but clearly he doesn't have the same legs as Lionel Messi, okay? So you can't really compare them. So what they do in this movie is they have the current heavyweight boxing champion fight a virtual fight against Rocky Bal Balboa, and Rocky Balboa wins. And so they decide to have a sort of a, a contest, not an actual title fight, but a, you know, a fun contest to show, you know, that definitely the, the, the younger guy's definitely, definitely going to beat Rocky down kind of thing. Anyway, I won't go into that. But the point is, the hook here is this kind of fantasy virtual fight. And weirdly, there's precedence for this because picking up on these sort of pub quizzy type conversations, you get a guy called Murray Warner, and he used to have this radio show which talked about, you know, the greatest heavyweight boxers and who would beat each other in a fight and that kind of thing. And it was popular. It was really popular. And obviously by the later 60s, you know who the heavyweight champion of the world was? One, Muhammad Ali. But what happened was Muhammad Ali decided to not go to Vietnam. He was conscripted and he said, I'm not going, this is not my war. He said stronger things than that, but you can watch the videos on that. I'm certainly not allowed to say those, some of those words. But th the point is he stood up for his principles, he got stripped of his title, and he wasn't allowed to box either. So Ali, seeing that's his career and livelihood, was running out of cash. So what Murray Warner did is he went to Muhammad Ali but also went to Rocky Marciano and said, I would like to film the two of you doing sort of sparring with each other. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to put the details of all your sort of statistics and all your sort of past matches. I'm going to put them in a computer and we're going to come out with the winner. So, so the filming of this happened in 1969, but the movie came out in 1970. So this was, you know, by then Rocky Marciano was well past his prime. And also, when you see the footage, Rocky Marciano is about a foot shorter than Muhammad Ali. You don't need to know much about fighting, but if you're shorter than the other person, you have less reach. And so, yeah, it wasn't really a fair fight, but it wasn't actually a full-on fight. The two of them basically, you know, did a bit of sort of shadow boxing with each other, a bit of parrying, you know, it just, you know, it was light exercise for both of them. They both got paid well. Sadly, shortly after the filming, Rocky Marciano died in a crash. So, you know, he, he never got to see the final result. But then what Murray Warner did is he went onto the news. He went out there and he did, 
kind of what I've already said, Americans are great at, the kind of razzmatazz, he goes, I have used the absolute up-to-date up to computer technology to, dis to discuss what's going on and who could possibly win. This isn't just a, a barroom conversation. This is science proving once and for all who's the greatest heavyweight of all time. Is it Rocky Marciano or is it Muhammad Ali? Now, if you're sitting there going, huh, computers in the 1960s, huh? Yeah, they existed. But you would need a computer the size of a room to run even the clock on your smartphone, okay? The fact of the matter is, there was nothing that had the computing power to do the kind of virtual assessment of data that would be needed for this. And so, yeah, it was actually behind the scenes all made up. And they had all these different, um, they had all these different scenes. They had, you know, they, they said, all right, in, in this particular scene, Rocky, why don't you sort of knock down Muhammad Ali and Muhammad Ali, why don't you knock down Rocky and, and all this kind of stuff, all this kind of stuff. So they went backwards and forwards. They got all the footage they wanted. Apparently, the two of them got on pretty well. Ali went out of his way to be nice to Rocky Marciano and, and Rocky Marciano loved it. Also by then, Rocky Marciano was, uh, his hair was thinning. So I believe he's wearing a toupee in, in the fight. So Super Fight came out in 1970 and it grossed more than $5 million, which, you know, if you're talking about 1970 money and also how much it cost to, to make, it was hugely profitable. And it was the money that Ali needed to keep himself going before he could make a successful comeback as well. So it sort of worked out for, for everybody. So weirdly, this film where you're sitting there thinking, no, there's no way you get somebody really in the ring again because of some virtual fight, genuinely happened about 35 years earlier for real. But the other thing is that Stallone, while he's not ever been an actual boxer, has actually affected the history of boxing. Because Rocky was such a big hit, the studio wanted him to make a Rocky too. And he was a little bit reticent about that. I don't want to be just known as the fighter. I want to do some other projects. Well, for starters, his other projects weren't nearly as successful. But also, you know, he came up with a decent idea for a Rocky two and indeed a Rocky three. But in the meantime, Martin Scorsese, yes, arguably one of the greatest living directors out there at the moment, you know, the director of Goodfellas and all these other great ones. He was having difficulty getting his boxing movie made. And so ultimately there was a deal with Stallone and Scorsese where you give me the money for Rocky II, you give Scorsese the money for Raging Bull. And Raging Bull is the boxing movie that about Jake LaMotta, a middleweight fighter starring Robert De Niro in an Oscar winning performance. This was the remarkable performance where he is in absolute, you know, fighting trim for much of the movie, but it shows you him in the later years and he put on so much weight for it. And it's, it's, it, it's one of these films where you're going to admire it. I'm not sure you're going to love it. Everybody is on fire in terms of acting and, and the actual fight direction. It's all filmed in black and white, which sort of makes it very much of its time or of the time it was showing, I should say, but also Scorsese's sort of tricks with the, with the steady cam and, and sort of like, you know, sometimes it's actually quite surreal imagery, which makes it feel even more realistic. There would be no Raging Bull without Sylvester Stallone, which is a very strange sentence to say, I know. But then we're going to kind of finish off this one on perhaps one of the weirdest and hardest conversations to have. I want to talk to you about the very first black heavyweight champion of the world. His name is Jack Johnson. 
No, not the singer. Believe me, the one I'm talking about could whip that, that puny little singer. Jack Johnson is a remarkable man. I first learned about him in a documentary about boxing, and my wife was sitting there, and she was she was stunned by him and his story, that now my wife is more of a fan of Jack Johnson than me. She has read pretty much every book and watched every documentary about the man available. And so I've picked up a fair bit about him too. Johnson became heavyweight boxing champion in 1911. And I think you can work out America in 1911, or indeed the world in 1911, wasn't exactly full of racial equality. You might have heard of the phrase, the great white hope. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's kind of out of date, but even as a kid, I, I'd heard of that phrase. So maybe you've heard of it and didn't quite know what it means. That was because of Jack Johnson, because Jack Johnson had just won the greatest sort of physical award you can have. You know, the heavyweight champion of the world is in a way saying they're the most physical, they're the most strongest, they're the most dangerous man in the world. And it was with a black man was holding it. So basically... The white world was desperate to try and find a white competitor that could fight Johnson. Now, interestingly, Johnson himself, he hated the term defensive boxer. A lot of people think he's one of the greatest defensive boxers around. He learned this because of something called battle royales, which you've heard of. And indeed, the battle royale genre in video games, I'm about to sort of show you the very dark phrase where that comes from. Because in the late 1800s, rich Southern gentlemen in America, I'm using the term gentlemen in very much inverted commas here, what they would do is while the black workers of, on their plantations weren't slaves anymore, they were very poorly paid, poorly educated. And what they would do for the amusement of the crowds is basically get a bunch of young black men, put sacks over their heads and get them to punch each other until there was one person standing. And that's how Johnson learned how to become a boxer. He, you know, he had to do it blind and he learned pretty quickly that if you put, keep your fists up and, and things like that, then you can, um, you know, you can protect your head and you, you could well be last man standing. So that is an absolutely terrible way, appalling way to start. And you would think that he might have had a huge chip on his shoulder, that he's desperate to sort of like prove the white world how wrong they were and how great he was. Now he wanted to prove the world how great he was, but he just saw, he goes, I'm just a good boxer. You know, I should have a shot at the title not because I'm black or white or whatever, but because I'm good. So he's actually the one person, and when you read about Johnson, it was almost like he was born a hundred years too early. This is a man who married a white woman, causing huge scandal at the time. He would drive fast cars. He would, he ran a club. He didn't actually play musical instruments, but he was kind of jam. Well, we did sometimes play a fiddle sometimes in, in sort of display fights and things like that. He was also great at bad mouthing and entertaining the crowd. He was the first person to not just be a lump of muscle punching things, but to be that flamboyant entertainer, a bit like Muhammad Ali. And on one occasion, when he wanted to get a manager, he basically got the, this manager to turn up and he gave him a letter. And he said, do not open that letter until round three. And the guy went, okay, fine. So Johnson's punching away and blasting away. They come up to round three. Guy opens the letter and it says, I will knock out this, uh, I will knock this man out in round three. Uh, and he did. So, you know, it's that kind of confidence in his own abilities. Uh, Johnson was amazing. But as I've just pointed out, how much the authorities hated him. In 1913, he was convicted, and I'm not making this law up, of transporting a white woman across state lines. 
And yeah, that's just absolutely terrible. That's in 1913. The woman in question is what uh, was somebody he was dating. The law was there to stop across state prostitution and pimping. And this is clearly not what was happening, but everybody's fine with it. And so he was convicted of this. Johnson, you know, I could go on and on about him, but here's where it comes back to Stallone. Stallone has also been a fan of Johnson for many, many years. And he has actually petitioned multiple presidents to issue a presidential pardon. And clearly there are other things to do. And Johnson himself died in 1946 in a car accident. He was driving so fast. He loved driving fast cars. So he died absolutely the way he would have wanted to. What I'm about to say after this horrific, clearly illegal and dubious law, I'm going to tell you something even weirder at the end of this. So yes, yeah, so going back to this, in 1913, he was convicted of transporting a white woman across state lines, and he was officially pardoned in 2018 by Donald J. Trump, incumbent president, with Sylvester Stallone looking on and sort of cheering. Not for Trump, but finally for the justice that uh, that Johnson received. So I told you I would get to presidents. I told you I'd talk about modern history because weirdly, the Rocky series covers race relations. It covers the Cold War. It covers Hollywood history. It is a remarkable series of movies. If you have not seen any of them, I encourage you to at least sit down and watch the first one because the first one is so good, you can't not then watch Rocky 2. Whether or not you watch all the rest of them, I don't know. Remember, avoid five. Uh, and I certainly wouldn't watch them back to back. But genuinely, Rocky and Creed, both those films are, you know, genuinely good films. And I encourage you to watch them. I hope you enjoyed how I linked it back to multiple strands of history. As always, I'm Jem Daduchu. You can catch me on things like uh, Twitter. I'm at Jem Daduchu. I'm History Gems with a G on Facebook. Let me know what you thought of this. But please, please, if you could spread the love a little bit. If you liked this one, I ask you politely to just tell one person that isn't on this. Because this format was on a bigger podcast back in the day. Condensed Histories is a smaller podcast, but... I know there's a lot of people out there who like this kind of story. You know, start with pop culture, end up with history. So please just tell one person to start subscribing and downloading it in wherever you get your, your podcasts. Thank you very much for that. And I will speak to you soon. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.